This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8-11, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning. And in studio with us, we have representatives from the Rutherford County School System. And with us this morning, James Evans, Shane Morgan, and Trey Lee. And we'll be talking about school construction projects and zoning and, and pretty much everything. But starting off this morning with James Evans. James, uh, I guess before we get into anything too detailed here, uh, the COVID situation, kind of update us on what is going on with that. Are there any schools that are currently only doing distant learning? What are we looking at right now? Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, the COVID situation, actually, we're seeing as a community in the past week, we've seen the numbers drop significantly. Uh, we're you know cautiously hoping that, that that maintains that trend, but we, we monitor those numbers every day. We don't currently have any schools that are completely distance learning. We do have a couple that uh, a couple of grade levels have have shut down to distance learning for a few days because of the number of teachers in that area. Uh, Blackman Elementary School started this morning their kindergarten, and Rockville Middle School their eighth grade. Uh, they're doing distance learning for a few days to let some teachers clear quarantine. Now I know this whole thing has been tough on parents, teachers, students, all of them, and it's been very. I guess the school year has just been very confusing for a lot of people. And it's probably not necessarily a good thing for the students because learning from home for a lot of kids is really hard to do as opposed to learning in the classroom. Yeah, I think the word of the year is going to be fluid. <laughs> That's <laughs> going to be it. People have gotten very adaptable, which is a good thing. You know, we've just uh, we've we've learned how to do things that we never thought we'd have to do before, uh, and it's taken everyone working together, which includes your parents, your teachers, your administrators, central office people, bus drivers. Everybody's been adaptable uh, because this has been changing so rapidly. You know, month to month, week to week. Uh, but learning online, uh, I think that for the most part, people are getting used to it. They've decided whether or not they can manage it at home, because uh, right now we offer parents the option of letting their kids do all distance learning if they want to do that. Um, and I think our teachers have gotten better at managing those things, too. It's been stressful on them. I think they've they've worked it out. Now, a term I never heard until this whole distance learning thing is uh, credit or grade recovery. And this is something that I guess students who fell behind while doing distance learning are able to get caught back up. We've actually had credit recovery in place for a long time, especially at the high school level. Uh, it's kind of like when you uh, go to get your driver's license. You know, when you, the intent is for a student to learn the skill. And so if they don't do it well the first time, we've offered opportunities for them to go back and relearn that skill so they can catch up and, and be successful with their high school. We're doing that much larger now on, on all grade levels, of course, uh, because of these kinds of things that, that learning loss, the state has released some things, uh, some funding and things like that that school districts can use to offer some uh, we're going to have some things rolling out with additional tutoring and summer school and things like that. Those those plans are going to be released soon. So I guess a lot of parents never really heard that until now because they didn't really need it until now. Yeah, I think some of them probably knew it, but it's definitely become more common knowledge. So as we start this morning, I guess let's first talk about one of the new schools that's going to be here and opening in August of the next school year, and that is Plainview Elementary. So tell us where we stand on the construction of that. Presently, the uh, construction is about where it should be uh, for this time of the year based on where we started. Uh, we've had a pretty wet year, which hampers construction. 
um, but the contractor's done a really good job of staying with it. The, the building itself is uh, coming pretty close. The highway department, this is kind of one of the first times we've ever had a lot of interaction with them, but the highway department is uh, moving along real good on what infrastructure they're updating. Uh, we've had a lot of coordination with our local utilities, CUD and Middle Tennessee Electric and those folks, and there's been a lot of We've spent a lot of time and a lot of meetings with all of those folks, and CUD's in good shape now. Middle Tennessee Electric's supposed to be starting their portion of the work uh, either the end of this week or the first part of next week. So right now we're optimistic that the construction will be on time and we'll be ready to open it in August of this year. And Trey Lee is the assistant superintendent and also, I guess, over all the construction projects going on and, and future projects. Mm, yes, sir. Uh, we just... Uh, put before the board at our last meeting the uh, proposed uh, five-year building program. Uh, we update that every year. Every year uh, we find that where we thought we had one new subdivision this year, uh, next year there's three or four. Uh, some build out faster than others. Um, some that we anticipated a couple of years ago, maybe that they would be the hot spot if not built out as fast. So we reanalyze the five-year building program each year and uh, go back and look and, and see where we're going and go from there. Now the Plainview Elementary, the, the land that that sits on is a pretty sizable piece of property. Is it big enough to put additional schools on that same property? Our intent uh, is to put three schools there. Uh, we've had some challenges with that um, property uh, with uh, some things that we didn't know, but we're still optimistic that we can get three schools there. Our engineers are still working on that, but we're, we're fairly optimistic we're going to get three schools there. So is the sewer system already in place out there, or are you having to do some type of septic system? Well, there's not soils conducive for a standalone step system. However, there is connection available with Murfreesboro Water and Sewer uh, in a subdivision that's, uh, it, we are within reach uh, of their sewer system and we are in the process of running that sewer line. It'll be a standalone sewer system. In the past, sometimes we built Rockville schools, we put in a large, long uh, gravity sewer that in the future uh, development, residences and that sort of thing could tie into. This system will not be that type of system. It'll be on a pressure pump system and it'll be standalone for the school system only. So whenever you go about, you know, building a, a new school in an area that doesn't have full septic capability that you got to come up with new things. I, I mean, if it, the school's needed in that area, you got to figure out how to go about building it. Yes, and typically uh, th there's distances. Um, we look at where is, as we call it, the end of the line, whether it's in Smyrna, Laverne, or Murfreesboro, where our sewer systems are, how far uh, can we go? Uh, there is a limit to how far you can go. Uh, so we try and stay in that area. We work with uh, very closely with uh, the county GIS department. Uh, there's fairly good soils maps now uh, of our entire county so we can look at a piece of property and go okay it's this you know distance from a sewer line okay that's too far for us to go let's look at the soils to see if it is conducive for a step system and, and if it is is it large enough for a one school two school three school because there's uh, um, some areas where you could have just enough soils for one school and not enough for three. And the plan for that property is to build a future middle school and high school in that same area. 
I don't know how long from now, but do you have a, a kind of a timeline of what you're working off of? Uh, we've kind of looked at the present growth. There again, it changes every year. Uh, but I would think the middle school's probably three to five years out. High school, I would. It's gonna all depend. Uh, we do have property for a high school at uh, Whitworth Buchanan. Um, they're not that super far apart. Um, so um, that is uh, a potential. We have uh, property for a high school in Walter Hill. Uh, the Matthews property so it's going to be uh, we're not far away um, from starting the conversation about a new high school in looking at Plainview Elementary School how what is I guess the current situation with zoning has that been ironed out yet because I know there are multiple proposals for what to do about zoning but has anything really been finalized Actually, um, it hasn't yet. Um, there's another meeting on the 18th of next month at 6 o'clock in the board room. Um, we're going to continue to talk about this um, rezoning. Uh, we've delivered the board three options to look at, um, and they'll either make their decision on one of those three or uh, tailor it to whatever they feel the needs of the community are. Shane Morgan is the enrollment planner, and I'm sure that's a, a pretty busy position with all the changes in future schools and the new schools. That's got to be, you know, kind of a headache at times. <laughs> yeah, um, it's difficult at times, but um, it's a good job. Um, I use the uh, student information system that's uh, pretty robust, um, Skyward, uh, to download the data and plot the points on the map and kind of see where all the students are and uh, use the county's GIS to um, put that up against uh, growth and kind of predict where um, we're going to need the next school. And for parents out there listening who have a student who may be in a city school right now, but maybe next year they're going to be enrolled in a county school, you can go to the county's website and just type in your address, then it'll tell you exactly what school you're zoned for, which makes it pretty easy. But that alone has got to be a pretty big system to put together and to update on a regular basis, because you're talking about so many new roads every single day here. Yeah, well, luckily, um, the county does have, as we said, a pretty robust GIS system. That's geographic information system. So uh, what we are able to do is um, take all the different um, geographic layers, streets, um, the edge of pavement, the center lines, the house addresses, and pull them into our mapping system and use that as a complement to, um, to zoning. So the students who will be going to Plainview, once that is ironed out, where are these students right now? What schools are they currently attending? Right now, um, the four schools that we're looking at uh, developing this new zone from are Rockvale Elementary, Barfield Elementary, uh, Buchanan Elementary, and Christiana. That, that's a pretty wide area when you look at where Plainview is located. I mean, you're, you're talking about some students may have to go, what, seven, eight miles to school? or what, What's the furthest distance? Um, that would be probably the extent of the distance um, at the moment. Rockvale's a little bit different because it's the most rural of all of these communities. Um, but as you as you pull out from the center of, of, um, of Rutherford County, especially south and to the east, 
it becomes a lot more rural and it's a lot harder to pick up students to develop a new zone. So this new school, Plainview, is going to be what? Kindergarten through fifth grade or sixth grade? That's correct, fifth grade. And then after sixth or when they get to sixth grade, what school would most of these kids be going to? Um, right now, it would be... Um, three different um, middle schools. It'd be Rockvale, Christiana, and Whitworth Buchanan. Of course, there could be another Plainview school out there, a middle school in the near future, and I'm sure some kids would end up going to that if that's built within the next five years. That's correct. So what are parents saying about their thoughts on zoning? Because you've had several community meetings where Mm -hmm. Uh, the public's been able to give their input what are they saying well we you know we always have an outspoken group um and they have generally early on um they will make their voices known and we direct them to the proper board member you know so that they can make contact with them if they get a hold of us first um but actually i've been surprised this has been a very well received um set of plans um, the community, for the most part, understands that there's really not much that we can do except for build a new school and that we have to fill it up um, or at least start it with a complement of students. So they've been pretty well receptive of the idea. In the past, when looking back at other schools and whenever you had to change zoning, are there some people who are just really upset about zoning changes and then others who are extremely happy? Because I, I can't. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine being really mad about a, a zoning plan. Yeah, and it, you know, most people, even when they're upset, that you know, as we were talking about a second ago, even when they're upset, they come back and they say, "I know this has got to be done. I know that you don't have a choice, and I know your job is hard um, <laughs> most of the time." But don't move me. <laughs> What are the reasons for being upset? Is it distance to take your child to school, or is it because I went to school there and this is where I want you to go? And a lot of times that is, it's that it's that continuing, uh, you know, process of going from the elementary school that I've always known. This is why we bought our home here because that school has good ratings, you know, and then moving on to the middle and high school, they want everything to flow together. A lot of times, and especially in the Rockvale area, you'll have students that now have three schools and they want to be able to drive their kids to school. So it's really convenient to be able to drop off at elementary, middle, and high school that are all literally in the same campus area. As Rutherford County continues to grow, are we eventually going to see elementary, middle, and high schools always being built together or next to each other? I can't really say. <laughs> That, that is a situation that works out really well. Uh, it, it makes it very difficult when we do have to build another school and someone has bought, and I'm going to use the term, they, we've bought for triple Rockville or we've bought for stri- triple Stewart's Creek, you know, whatever the case may be. And then as our growth continues, those schools fill up and your option is to, to, to build another school somewhere, and I use the term in between, uh, to try and bridge that gap. Um, that's when the, the, the parents are, I, I purposely, I sold my dream home to move to this area so that I could be Triple Stewart's Creek and I'd never have to move again. Unfortunately, in Rutherford County, I- unless something changes in the next five years, I, I don't know that there's not going to be anybody that's not impacted 
uh, by a rezone. Yeah, and just the capacity of our schools, too. So between elementary and middle school, even though they both hold typically a 1,000 students, you have half the grades in middle school. So you're always going to have a couple of middle school or elementary schools at least that feed into a middle school for the most part. And then your high schools are built to be 2,000 typically. And so you're going to have multiple middle schools that are going to feed into one high school. So it kind of builds on each other. So some people get the benefit of I'm in the Stewart's Creek area, and I get all three Stewart's Creek schools, but then you've got Rocky Fork just around the corner, and those also feed into that school. And so it just it's, it's, uh, it's not as clear-cut as people think sometimes just because of the way, you know, we inherited a school district, of course, before the growth, and now we've been building for a couple of decades at least all these new schools. And it's just, you know, we're trying to adapt and plug into where the existing campuses were. It doesn't always work out the way people hope. When, when I was a child growing up, and I grew up here in Rutherford County, when I was a child here, everybody knew I went to Roy Waldron. You know, if I was a Laverne Elementary, I went to Roy Waldron. From Le- Roy Waldron, we all went to Smyrna High. So it was almost one, one, you know, it was, you had one feeding one, and then you had two feeding another. We're not that way anymore. And, and we're growing um, I saw a stat the other day, U-Haul, uh, Middle Tennessee's the, one, in the top three in the nation for one-way U-Haul rentals from all over the country coming here. And that indicates people are moving. They're coming here, buying a home or apartment or whatever, and they're coming here and they're moving here. Um, that's part of our problem. Yeah. You, you know, have there been any studies done or have you read anything about any studies done showing that you know, in 20 years, we're going to see a population age shift to where there's less, you know, teenagers here, or there's more people who are 15 and older here, you know, just things like that. I'm just curious what's going to happen down the road. Are all of the schools going to always be as full as they are today? So that is one of the things that we look at is um, the aging out process and the age in process too. I mean, it's even more uh, important to look at birth rate than it is to look at the declining ages. Um, The one thing that we see right now is that things are very consistent. Um, With new students coming in, um, we get a consistent growth of about three to five percent every year countywide. Um, We have to answer the call to the building. Um, As communities develop, we have to make adjustments to the school zones or build new schools to accommodate all those new students. You know, a few years back, UT Knoxville did a study on Tennessee and the growth Tennessee's experiencing. And the study showed that Rutherford County was gonna have a population of, I believe, 500,000 residents by 2035. But now it's looking like we're gonna probably hit that number a lot sooner than year 2035. Yeah, and you know, that all depends on the economy as well. Uh, I guess it was about 15 years ago we saw a recession and um, everything stopped for about three to four years. That just happens to be about the time that I came on with the school board and my job went from being really busy to really slow for a couple of years and then we picked it right back up again. Um, it's kind of hard to see um, you know, that far into the future to see when that next economic bubble is going to pop and we might have to wait around a little while. You know, and in studies like that, they can't take into factor things they don't know you know what's going to happen this year versus that year and one of those things would be uh, in nashville they raised the property tax rate quite a bit this past year and that's probably going to equal more nashville residents moving to places like murphy's bro and then they'll make the commute to work to nashville but that's going to equal 
another boom in population, I would say, this year and probably next year, too. Yeah, and we, we see that pretty consistently. Um, there is a shift of students that are incoming from the southern end of Nashville to us just simply because our housing is a lot more affordable in that area of the county, and it's becoming more expensive in Nashville. So, James, I'm curious, is that a positive when you have students who attend school here, but yet their parents work in Nashville and they're making that commute every day? Is that, I don't know, is there any tax benefit to that, any savings when the parents going out of town for work, but yet staying, their children staying here? I mean, most most of our expenses as a county is is the growth in residences. So that's, it's not, it, it doesn't necessarily matter where they work, but I think you're also seeing more and more people are looking for jobs in this county. So, you know, your, your Nissans and your Assurions and things like that, uh, Swan Cosmetics, you know, those areas around Joby Jackson, there's a lot of employers now who are working with the chamber to help get that workforce built up. And I think people appreciate that because they don't want to make that commute every day down 24. But we are seeing uh, growth everywhere, of course, but we've noticed a, a pretty big growth along the 24 corridor. So your Blackman, your 840, Smyrna, Laverne, those have been, very, uh, Rockville, you know, those that have quick access to the interstate, those are some of our hottest areas right now. Uh, and then there's other pockets too, of course, but that, you know, along that corridor, if you have land along 840 and Blackman, Mr. Lee would like to hear from you. <laughs> so Trey, I, I'm curious, going back to you a little bit this morning, when you look at all of Rutherford County as a whole, and you look for that next piece of land to buy for a future school, where are you seeing the most growth right now? If you, if you could just say one place, where would that one place be? Same place we've been trying to find a piece of property for about 18 months to two years. It's the, it's the I call it the 840-96 between there and Veterans Parkway. Closer into town, we've looked at the Souls maps. The, the, the hard part for us right now is between 840 and Rockvale, and from Veterans Parkway out to the county line. Once you get past, and I'm a uh, Mayor Burg former Mayor Burgess's property where that large development's coming in the Bill Rice Ranch, there's very little conducive soil for a step system, which limits us to what we can do. We've had four different properties that we have basically put a contract on so that we could do our due diligence. We've had, we found caves, we found underwater uh, aquifers, uh, we found area that had uh, additional wetlands um, that uh, made it difficult. Um, so really we're trying, it's just not a lot of good land out there, which coincides with the development is not going on as much there either and, and that's the reasoning behind it now you can go in there and maybe find uh, a piece of property that you could do three to five acre tracks what i call estate lots um, where they could build a up a little more higher end home uh, and find enough soil to maybe do a three or four bedroom home but you can't find enough soils for a 1000 student campus you know for a school uh, so we're in that area uh, right there around that 96 from Veterans Parkway that area right through there we would uh, 40 acres would be great for a middle school we're, we really need a middle school in that area uh, we have Rockville middle uh, is has 10 portables now uh, Blackman's annex that we built a few years ago is now full uh, the development at Stewart's Creek middle uh, around that area is is in the next 
year or so, we're going to be busting at the seams there. Uh, so that school in that area would, there again, we're talking rezoning, would rezone that area, which would alleviate some of our problems. And what we're showing in our five-year building program is we're looking at adding on to Rockville Middle and um, doing some renovations at Smyrna Middle to where possibly we can do some, not new school, but do some rezoning that will um, buy us a little bit of time till we can find that 35 to 40 acres for a middle school on that side of town. Now, at one point, the city of Murfreesboro was looking at building a new park right there at Veterans and 840, and then I believe the county showed some interest in that same piece of land. Was that interest for a possible school, and whatever happened with it? Well, that was for two schools, possibly three. Uh, it was enough acreage there. Uh, we actually went into negotiation with the city had an option to buy it. We did our due diligence. Uh, it was determined in that area that the land was not large enough for three schools, but we felt like we could get two schools on it. Um, the school board, um, there was about 35 or 40 acres. It's wetlands. It's unsuitable for building on. Uh, and they requested or reached out to the city to see if there was a possibility they would take a little less money for it. Uh, and when they said no, you know, we're, we want our asking price, uh, the school board backed away and decided not to buy it. And since that time, we have been looking diligently for another piece. So that land, I guess, still owned by the city and it's just sitting vacant for now. That is correct. And I, do you recall what that asking price was? Was it what the city originally paid for it or was it more or less? Uh, I don't like to quote numbers with a habit. It was a little more than what they paid for, but it was not unreasonable, but it was more than what they paid. So then by all means, the city could have recouped the money that they had already spent, but they didn't. They chose not to. Yes, and the school board elected. Yeah, I see what you're saying. If they had elected to drop the price some, yes, I would say that would be correct. Now, in a situation like that where you're negotiating with, in this case, the city of Murfreesboro to buy a piece of land, are you negotiating with the full city council and then you have the full county school board making those negotiations with the city council? How does, how does that work? It's a, it's a, it it ex lengthens the process uh, because basically there's a representative of the city that I work with that we go back to the board, they have to vote to do something, then I have to take it back to them and then their city council has to vote. So it, it lengthens that process because you are dealing with multiple entities. Sounds like it's a lot easier to buy from individuals who own land or a company that owns land as opposed to government working with government. Yes, sir, it would be. There's less hurdles. So where is this next school going to be outside of Plainview? What, what is the next school actually going to be? Well, if we're talking about a new ground-up school, we're probably looking at, uh, we still have our next full school would be uh, in that 96 area. That's where our area of need is right now. Um, but you have to find the land for it, right? That is correct. Um, so land being unavailable in the right location, access to sewer or enough soils to build a step system. Uh, that's why we're looking at this year adding on to Rockvale and next year possibly adding on to Stewart's Creek Middle. Um, to get, if, There again, these are all measures that allow for growth. So we have a larger volume, but it also allows for uh, time to find that piece of property. 
is there room to build another school at any of our existing schools like Riverdale, Oakland? I mean, once you look at some of the schools that have been here, have been here a lot longer, is there room on their property to add another? Well, the, the there is potentially. The problem becomes you start densifying our schools. So if you drop, let's say you build one in Oakland, let's say we, we'll use Oakland as an example. Then I've got three middle schools right on top of each other. You got you would potentially have one at Oakland. We have one across the street at Oakland Middle, and then we have one at Siegel Middle. The zone lines then become exponentially more difficult to get a diverse student base. Um, Shane can speak to that better than I can. That's one of the things we struggle with when we do try and rezone is to make sure that we're doing ec keeping equity. Uh, you're not getting all one demographic versus another uh, and to try and keep that diversity in the building. Let's talk a little bit more about that when we come back and I'm curious if there are certain rules set by the federal government that say you know a school has to be this diverse in order to receive this grant or that grant. I mean because I'm there, there's got to be different rules and regulations put forth that you have to follow whenever you do go about zoning. So let's talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Time right now is 8.40. You're tuned into WGNS. And this morning we have guests from the Rutherford County School System on the air with us. And those include James Evans, Shane Morgan, and Trey Lee all in studio with us this morning. Time right now, again, 8.40. A check on that forecast right now. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here for this afternoon with cloudy sky conditions high in the upper 60s. Southwest winds at 15 to 20 and gusting as high as 30. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 53. Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. I do setups and repairs. The setup is where you make your guitar play as well as it ever will, whether you're a professional or a beginner. You need this done at least a couple of times a year to get the most out of your instrument. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings, and drums. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. Rapid COVID testing now in Murfreesboro. Do you need a rapid COVID test? Low T Center in Murfreesboro now has drive-through rapid COVID testing on Mondays, all day, 8.30 until 5.30, every Monday through February 22nd. No appointments necessary and it's only $60 with the results back in less than 30 minutes. COVID testing is available for all adults, men and women 18 and older. Low T Center, near the Avenue at 2855 Medical Center Parkway, across the street from Rooms to Go. See you Monday at Low T Center. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615 
615-930-0088. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. Uh, I was drafted. I was in the draft lottery. Served in Vietnam from 1972 to 1973 off a warship that was uh, search and rescue and sea air rescue. North and South Vietnam, North Sar, South Sar. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. I was on a guided missile frigate. By today's standards, it's been uh, upgraded to a light cruiser. I was on the ship that was hit by friendly fire. Two Air Force uh, Shrike missiles hit us Easter morning, 1972, the morning of the Haiphong Offensive, the big last effort before the ceasefire in 73. There was a lot of carnage because we were hit with two missiles um, that were supposed to be guided to Haiphong, Hanoi, but in the fog, they were diverted to our 48 radar and they hit us. So I was in my rack and uh, it was early in the morning and it felt like we ran into something terribly strong. Javasio served in the U.S. Navy during Vietnam. Shipmates that had fingers missing and just terrible uh, carnage from being hit with the missiles. There was a, a shipmate that uh, I was uh, ordered to try and help resuscitate. He was on a chief's mess table and I tried to resuscitate him, but he wasn't really alive anymore. Veteran Ralph Gervasio. An exclusive look at Rutherford County weather from our own meteorologist. WGNS Weather Eye Forecast is on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Old friends, new name, better together as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. A lot of people have been talking about how it's hard to find where to go to get a rapid COVID test. Good news, right here in Murfreesboro, you can get the rapid COVID test at Low T Center. The Low T Center in Murfreesboro now has drive through rapid COVID testing on Mondays, 8.30 until 5.30, every Monday through February 22nd. And if you can't make it on Monday, stop by the Low T Center in Franklin. There, they're offering drive through COVID testing on Wednesday all day. That's the Low T Center in Franklin on Wednesdays at the intersection of McEwen Drive and Carruthers Parkway. There's no appointment needed and it's only $60 and you'll get your results back in less than 30 minutes. It's rapid COVID testing at Low T Center. The COVID tests are available for all adults, men and women, 18 and older. For Monday testing at Low T Center in Murfreesboro, they're located near the Avenue at 2855 Medical Center Parkway. They're across the street from Rooms to Go or at the Low T Center in Franklin on Wednesdays at the intersection of McEwen Drive and Carruthers Parkway. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Right now that time, 8.46, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning, and we're talking about the Rutherford County school system, the different changes coming up, the new schools that are being built, and there are, gosh, a, a lot of changes that have taken place this year, and we're going to see a lot more changes, I would say, in the next couple of school years, especially with the new school coming on board, which is Plainview Elementary. And before the break, we were talking about the zoning for Plainview and also the zoning for other future schools. And one of the things that 
you know, we were curious about was about do you have to zone a certain way as far as does the federal government require you to zone X amount of children who are in this ethnic group into the school and this amount of children from this group into the school in order to get federal funding that is available? There, there is no uh, policy or edict from the federal government that I'm aware of that would um, state that we have to um, di be diverse to a certain degree. Um, the board has always, since I've been here, tried to equalize different, different demographics in order to um, have a full complement of courses and to make it as diverse as possible from one campus to another. And it's hard to meet those different diversity, I guess, goals whenever you're you're building schools closer and closer together. And at least that's that's the way I, I took it. Is that right? Sure. And um, you know, you're always going to have pockets of different demographics. You're going to always have one wealthier area of town versus one that's not so. And when you do zone, I know, for example, in Nashville, a number of years back, they were busing students from you know, way over here in East Nashville, all the way to, you know, whatever, whatever the school of choice was whenever they were doing zoning back then. Are we busing children from, you know, 15 miles away in order to make this school more diverse over here? No, we do not. Um, that is one thing that the board is very consistent. Uh, you know, no matter who's been on the board at the time, that's one thing that they've always shied away from was, was doing that. To me, it always makes sense, I guess, for neighborhood schools if you would for students to go to the school that's closest to them because those are the friends they're growing up with it just makes sense doing it that way yeah and you know we talked about uh you know complaints from the public before and that has been one of the hardest um, obstacles to get past with this particular zoning there was a couple of um, subdivisions for example when we first started the process the first option had um in some ways um, a bus would actually pass or it could potentially pass uh, one school to get to the other school that we were trying to fill up for so many years in the past rutherford county and, and murphy's bro it was different from what it is today and what i mean by that is a lot of the uh, the income brackets were fairly close together and then somewhere i would say in the late 90s it totally changed and neighborhoods started changing and we started seeing well suddenly you have these folks who are making you know 200 300,000 a year and a lot of them and then you have some who are making 5 600,000 a year and we didn't used to have that much of a diverse i guess income bracket whenever you look at everyone's income in different neighborhoods but that had to have been a challenge whenever that started happening for the school system in order to make some diversity in the schools right and you know what what i see when i drive the roads and we do the, a lot of that leading up to um, a rezoning but what i see is um, a lot of four and five hundred thousand dollar homes sit next to trailer parks uh, especially as you move into rural areas it actually that in a way makes it a lot easier to do rezoning when it comes to um, the, the socioeconomic uh, variables and these days I guess a starter home in Rutherford County is closer to three hundred twenty five thousand dollars as opposed to 125 which is what it was you know 15 years ago that's right so that also I guess comes into play whenever you're looking at zoning and where to send children to school and, and it's just there's a lot of variables to this now that's right and there didn't used to be no 
So the next school that is going to be built, we don't really know for sure, I guess, because you don't have a, a, a perfect piece of land already in place to go ahead and build that school on other than Plainview. And so a caller called in a little while ago and said, has the county school system had a chance to look at State Farm, the old State Farm building right there on DeJarnett Lane at Memorial Boulevard as a future school site? Uh, the, the, there is, <coughs> excuse me, there, there is um, some interest in um, the old State Farm building. Uh, they sold that building about three years ago, three to four years ago, and they've been leasing it back. Uh, the developer who bought that land, uh, there's been a lot, a lot of rumors around that they're looking to sell it now. Um, we have uh, discussed it, um, and um, Mr. Spurlock and myself have been over there once to look at it with uh, um, some <coughs> county commissioners. It's a very nice building. It's been well maintained in really good shape. Um, the, the thing that we have to look at, and, and if it was on the west side of town, I'd say buy it tomorrow. Um, but the location uh, for us as a system is you've got Oakland High, Oakland Middle, and the City Pittard Elementary right down the street. And then on the other side of Memorial, you've got Siegel Elementary, Siegel Middle, Siegel High. Um, and that density in that area is on out toward Walter Hill, the growth is out toward Walter Hill, the other side of Siegel, which would be the west side of Siegel, and the east side of Oakland. That strip down Memorial, I don't want to use the term, it's built out, but it's fairly close. I mean, you know, till you get down through that area. There's some development now starting uh, along Memorial between um, the VA and uh, Walter Hill. Uh, we've seen some things the city's brought to us in the last four to six weeks where there's some development beginning to start there um, but it would be very difficult zoning wise um, so but that doesn't mean we're not going to look at it if that old state farm building were to become a school in the future you'd have basically five schools including a private school all within one mile of each other yes be very dense and i can't imagine traffic each morning and afternoon yeah, i live over there so <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about but uh, traffic's becoming that way all over town. As you know, it used to, you could get across Murfreesboro in 10 minutes in the past. Now, unless you take Jones Boulevard, it's going to take you half an hour to get from one end to the other, nope. at least. It, it's quicker to get on 24 and drive to Nashville in some cases, just depending on what time of day you're trying to get across town. We got a text message here. It says, building schools is expensive. Has the pandemic caused noticeable drops in population growth? And do you feel Rutherford County will continue to grow Based on your studies, what are the top three growth areas of the county? Uh, residential construction has not slowed down at all due to the pandemic. In fact, it's actually sped up, um, which indicates that the growth is not slowing down. It, it, is, con it, it is continuing to come. Uh, the, the big hit, well, let me say this. I can tell you easier where we're not seeing the growth. Readable, Las Casas, not too much growth out that way not too much growth at, between Rockville and Eagleville. Uh, and part of that goes back to utilities, sewer services, and the type of soils that are out there. Um, there's basically seven or eight new subdivisions that are under construction now presently in the Stewart's Creek Blackman zone. Uh, there is uh, three uh, between Riverdale and um, Rockville. Uh, the Veterans Boulevard between 231 and 99. 
there's a lot of development going on there. Um, there's even beginning to, we're beginning to see some development uh, out uh, around uh, Wilson Elementary and Walter Hill. But there again, you got to have the right soil because they're so far out, they don't have access to sewer. Right. So and, and when we had the recession for the housing market recession back around 2007, 2008, you know, when other parts of the country completely stopped, we did slow, but we still grew by three or 400 kids that year. So even in off years, we typically see growth. We're probably not going to see a ton this year because of the pandemic, but we expect it to come barreling right back next year as far as our student population you had a number of this year people that decided i'm going to keep my kids out of kindergarten for a year and just delay them starting a year but but in tennessee they have to start by six by the time they're six years old so next year we're probably going to see a bump in kindergartners coming in just an influx so we've delayed it maybe a few months but we've got to keep building we got another text message here and this one was uh, in regards to the state farm building it says what would state farm what would the state farm building appraise for or do you know uh, we haven't been given that information that would be something that uh, i think the mayor ketron in his office has been working with those folks uh, we're not involved in that uh, at this time got another question here and i know we only have like four minutes left but it says at a time when efforts must be made to control the cost of government, many large school systems are going to A and B scheduling. Uh, there is only there is only much tax residents can afford. Uh, have you considered A and B schedules for school students? We have be, we have been looking at that for the last couple of years, uh, uh, and the uh, instruction department has got some things that they're going to be. Uh, reviewing again this year uh, and talking about that we do have a couple of schools that it's being considered uh, for that um, um, so if you did something like that would you utilize let's say one school and uh, a students go these hours to school B students these hours or days and would you have a complete staff changeover whenever you switch between the A and B groups the Those, answer is yes and yes. Yeah. That would be a that's lot. That's all part of what's being studied. The other, well, the other big thing too. Transportation as well. Sorry. The other, the other big thing too is the virtual school that we started this year, and we know that there's future there too because uh, there's less overhead as far as some of the capital needs. Uh, in those situations and so uh, it's those families who want to just do just like colleges do do all distance learning in a virtual school we have our own it's called the Rutherford County virtual school this is different than just your traditional distance learning that started this year and we have about 150 or 60 kids that start that are in it right now and we hope that program will grow and that will take some of the burden off schools as well so if you had a, a school with a and B groups of students how in the world would you uh, do things like sports because you know, you'd want all the students to be a part of the sport program or pep rally or whatever it was you're doing. So how in the world would you manage all that? Well, and you're hitting on the exact questions that are being studied because it's called, it's referred to as a multi-track system. Some uh, different states or counties, districts around the country do this kind of thing. Um, and, but those are the kind of questions you have to answer when you design your hybrid program like that, your multi-track program. The other thing is these AB programs or hybrid programs are not designed to be long-term solutions. They're designed to be temporary solutions to the problem that we're having now. The problem is most of these systems that are doing these type AB systems are not experiencing the growth that we are. They're, they're in less uh, tax-based type areas where they really struggle uh, to, to be able to just 
get the money to build one school. And I'm not saying that we're super affluent, we got money running out of our ears. But you take a Cannon County or someplace like that where they just don't have the industry to support that growth, they may be three, five, six years before they get. So, so they're looking at this as a two to three year fix uh, to bridge them from overcrowding to get to one school. And they're not doing it as a district as a whole. So it would be a Band-Aid, basically. It wouldn't be long-term at all. That would be the intent, yes. Uh, we only have a minute left here, so it's already 8.59. Uh, but I guess in closing, what's, I guess, James, what's the next thing we're going to see with, uh, you know, new announcements for COVID? Is there anything else that is going to be announced over the next couple of days that you know of? No, I think that we're going to stick to, to the same system we used during the first semester, which is we will close the school and move it to distance learning temporarily as needed to help mitigate uh, the spread, uh, especially the biggest issue that we're having is not with positive cases, although we've had some of those, of course. It's those who get quarantined through contact tracing, and that will take out more and more employees uh, on a temporary basis so they can clear those time periods. But th that's the system that we're using and we'll continue using for the next few months to get through this school year. Our guests today have been James Evans, Shane Morgan, and Trey Lee with the Rutherford County Schools. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Time right now, 9 o'clock.